nearly every time that we bring up with someone what we're doing here at Longleaf Breeze, one of their first two or three questions is, do you have solar panels? Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of November 8, 2012. Happy birthday to our son, Joe. I know, it's our son's 33rd birthday, and we wish he were here with us, but we send a shout out to Joe Borden. He's a special guy. I hope he has a happy birthday. Anyway, um, what you said in your introduction there was certainly true, and I have sort of fueled that interest um, when we first started our venture here by telling people that, oh, I wanted to live on a farm and build a solar house to live in. I remember, yes. Yeah. that That's a continuing yeah. chorus that... Uh, you sang for and, many years. And I, I guess yeah. you still have that yearning. Oh, I, and I think, well, we can talk as as the next couple of weeks go on. Um, we will make it clear that, yes, in effect, we will have a solar house, uh, more so than, than uh, the average person, because what we thought we'd do is this week talk about, so you want to go solar, part one, and then next week on the podcast conclude with part two. Um, this week we'll talk about direct solar energy, uh, which certainly is where everybody should start. Next week we'll cover part two, which will be all about indirect solar energy, uh, the use of photovoltaics, um, shortened to PV, much easier to say, and um, how we might incorporate those in our design here. Um, anyway, and we also put in the indirect category things like heating with wood, that's an indirect use of solar energy, and growing our own food, which again, that's an indirect use of solar energy. But to be honest, I think most of what we'll talk about next week will be PV. Right. And and backing up a little before we get started on today's, we should mention that for anybody who has visited our site, you'll see that we're linked in with our other site, they're together, which is called LetTheSunWork.com. That and our original view was let the sun work. And have to be honest and admit that we haven't done much with letthesunwork.com since we started working on Longleaf Breeze in earnest. So there's a good bit of old information on letthesunwork.com. But I think it is worth mentioning that um, all of this began with letthesunwork.com before Longleaf Breeze existed. Absolutely. And, and the whole idea is that the sun will work for us. We want to work with the sun, not against it. And so part of our challenge in saving and then using energy wisely is in working with Mother Nature, working with the sun, having it do the work. So what we'll talk about this week will be the direct use of the sun, and we'll focus on that, starting with using, providing heat and providing light. I guess light is pretty obvious. If you don't have windows or you don't go outside, you don't get the sun's light. Well, you know, it does Hmm. seem obvious, but that's an important part of the puzzle because we work to minimize our need for um, extra lighting. 
And on a normal day when we're here in the apartment of our pole barn, we don't have to turn on any lights. Yes, we have plenty of sun coming in, especially this time of the year, something we'll talk about in a moment. And also light to grow food, that is light sunlight that the vegetables need in sure, order to Sure, for grow. photosynthesis. Yes, yes. So um, that's another use of light. So if you talk about direct solar energy, I suppose the most, um, the, the easiest one to understand is keeping your dwelling warm. Yeah. And um, we and are very fortunate to have a tiny living space, which makes it easy for us to keep our dwelling warm. Um, and we have uh, an astute design which drinks in sunshine in the wintertime and rejects it in the summertime. Um, so that's an important part of that. And the whole idea is to make it unnecessary for us to use any more energy to stay warm than absolutely necessary. That's right. And, you know, a lot of, there's been a lot of attention over the years to the idea of passive solar which is exactly what we're talking about using here in our apartment and to us and also up in the lodge. Um, one thing that made me think about this whole topic today was getting up and spreading the beautiful quilt that one of my good friends made out on the bed and realizing that I, ha I didn't have to worry about this back in July and August, but now the sun, the angle at which it's coming through the windows, it's shining on my quilt. So I'm having to cover it up. I don't want the sun to fade it, which is another thing the sun will do. It will fade fabric. Most people yes, know that. Bet. But it it became just so, in a way I hadn't thought about it in a while, evident that, yes, we are using the angle of the sun to our advantage in the wintertime. And it just stayed warm in this apartment pretty much all day. Thanks yeah, to we the don't sun usually have the to windows. do anything to keep the keep the, our little living space here warm during the day. We sometimes use the wood stove in the evening. We often use the wood stove in the morning. Yes, because uh, overnight have we haven't had the, the sun the coming day. in. That's right. The, right. So. Well, and here in central Alabama, the major, uh, we use a lot more energy keeping cool than we use keeping warm. We right. use a, quite a bit keeping warm. I've forgotten who it was. You told me had a $400 gas bill or something. Right, right. Actually, um, it was $600 in the peak $600 of winter. $600 gas yeah. bill. So we do use a, a great deal of energy keeping warm, but we use even more keeping cool in the summertime. And so part of our focus from the moment we first started designing our little apartment here in the barn and especially the lodge up the hill is figuring out ways to keep the dwelling cool in the summertime. And that's that idea of making sure there's no direct sun, that we are completely shaded. In the summer. In during the, the summer, summertime. Yeah. That's right. And that um, we have good ventilation and uh, lots of ceiling fans, which are relatively energy efficient in the summertime. So uh, that's, that's the most that's the easiest way to use solar energy to keep cool and warm is that passive use of the sun. Mm -hmm. And if, you, if you're new to this, think about the days that you get into your car when it's been parked in a, you know, out in the sun Absolutely. all day. You know, there's your passive solar at action. Um, I've had days that my car, the car was so hot, if I left a cup of coffee in the, out there in the car, <laughs> it was still hot when I got in. 
So, you know, it's it. And so we want to use it to our advantage as much as we can. And um, then for the sort of like a car sitting in the hot sun, you don't want that sunlight coming in in the winter, in the in the summertime, in the summertime, in the summertime. And one thing I've noticed is that the lodge does stay a little bit cooler um, than the apartment. The lodge is bigger, has higher ceilings. Uh, has north-facing windows. Yes, and those when those rooms with the north-facing windows are cooler than our little apartment is in the wintertime, but in the summertime, that whole dwelling space stays cooler, which is what we're looking for. So, you know, it's a trade-off. And like, as you pointed out, in this part of the country, the challenge energy-wise, is staying cool. Right. That's the name of the game. Um, and we'll talk about some other ways we stay warm. For example, the wood stove, yeah. you know, which is... Can, and that can, comes next week. Yeah, that we'll comes next week. Indirect. So not to jump ahead. Um, cooking. Let's talk a little bit about using solar to cook. We've mentioned, I think, before on some podcasts that we have a solar oven, and it uses solar energy beautifully to cook food. And um, I... I have to say this because people have trouble believing it when I tell them we bought that solar oven. I bought it for you as a surprise, right. yeah, thinking it would be a fun novelty. You know, that we would, you know, haul it out and show it off every now and then when people came over and use it to roast some peanuts or to, you know, bake some cookies or something like that. Little realizing that it would become our go-to cooking appliance. Right. If it's a sunny day, yeah, we can. We're going to do works. most of our cooking in the solar oven, and yes, it's because we like the idea of not using any energy to cook other than what comes free from the sun. But it's also very convenient. Very convenient. Very easy. Um, it, you do have to kind of keep an eye on. You know, I don't have a timer or anything on it, so. You know, it's very easy on a sunny day for the, it to cook fast because it'll go up to between 300 and 350 degrees in that oven. But you have become more and more sophisticated in your use of the solar oven. It's rare for us to overcook things nowadays. We're, we're pretty, pretty, pretty cool on yeah. how to do it and yeah. have a sixth sense about when right. it may be time. And we definitely um, advocate that. Now, it's a small enough solar oven that... I can't cook a whole meal at one time in it. You know, it'll it holds a fairly small pot, but just cooking for the two of us, or even if I were cooking for a, you know, one big pot of vegetables, I could do that. So if you wanted but to go into this, that's a good point. You would you would have trouble using the solar oven to cook for a family of six or seven, and to cook every course that yes. way. Like uh, you yes. know, let's roast a chicken. Let's cook. And this time of the year, when the days are shorter. That's another challenge. You better get it out there quick. Get and it out there quick. you're not going yeah. to, you know, most of us in here trained in the fossil fuel era are accustomed to saying at 5.30 or 6, what are we going to have for supper tonight? And we want to be ready to eat by 6.30 or 6.45. You're not going to do that with the sun oven. No, you got to think about it early in the day, prep your vegetables, get them out there, get them ready, and then you may, you'll probably have to zap them, zap them in the microwave or somehow get them warmed up again because they will have cooled off by the time you That's right. bring them in. So, um, And the microwave uses a, it's a relatively efficient way for us to reheat vegetables that were cooked earlier in the day. Yeah. Well, let's talk about water heating. That's another way you can efficiently it's use solar energy. It's another great way to yeah. use direct solar energy. We are not now using the sun to heat our water, but we hope to be doing that shortly. Um, 
water heaters, solar water heaters, direct water heaters, are becoming increasingly sophisticated, even though it's more, you know, we use more energy keeping cool than keeping warm, it still goes below freezing here in central Alabama on a regular basis during the wintertime. So that means we must use the drain back model of uh, water heater. We're not able to use the direct water model that is used in South Florida, for example, where it never freezes. Yeah, yeah. yeah we do have enough variation in the temperature that, um, and the directness of the sun and everything else, you know, that yeah. we have to and most make of these some adaptations. Water heaters they sell nowadays, uh, they actually power the pump with solar energy. So you, you're not really spending electricity to, um, heat your water or to pump your water around the photovoltaic panel is doing that for you which is cool yeah um got to talk about drying clothes on the clothes that's right i i I so often am able to brag to people that i have a solar clothes dryer (laughs) they they (laughs) picture some sort of you know electric dryer with a panel on it and no no this one just is four lines stretched in the backyard and I have to have clothespins to boy, make does it, it work. work well. It works great. And there are some articles of like sheets. I couldn't ask for a better way to drive dry sheets. And um, they dry in no time. They're still soft. They smell like the great outdoors. So it's actually the optimum way to do a lot of your drying. And more and more delicate clothes or clothes that you don't want to draw up because they're 100% cotton, you know, I, I would hang those out there anyway. So and it's just fun. It's, I guess I really didn't understand this until we started using the clothes line that often our clothes dry just about as quickly on the clothes line as they do in an electric dryer or in yeah. a gas dryer. And the nice thing is I don't have to immediately go get them out and fold them. Back when I lived in a two-story house with my laundry room downstairs, I was always paranoid. I'd forget about the clothes, leave them in there, they'd get all wrinkled. You know, when when they're on the clothesline, I pick them up. I mean, I do get them before dark, but I I get them off the line, and they're not. It, it's on my own timetable. In other words, I can get used to doing something else. You do have to make sure it's not going to rain that afternoon, though. <laughs> well, and that's something that I learned when we went to that meditation course. I may have mentioned this yes. to you. Um, there was a clothesline there, and that's what we had. If you wanted to wash your clothes, you hang hung them out on the clothesline. And I had a sense of when it was the right time to hang clothes out on the clothesline and when it was not. And I realized that most of my fellow campers there didn't have that sense. So, you know, they they let perfectly beautiful sunny weather go by and then they'd hang them out, on, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon just in time to get hit with a shower. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, you do have to sort of learn to gauge when it's go- when you're going to have a good drying day and when you're not. And that's one of the things that we figured out over time is, you know, when, are, when is it likely to be a good time to hang the clothes out? And you learn that's when you wash. You don't wash and then try to figure out when to dry them. You gauge when to wash based on yeah. when you're going to be able to dry them yeah. well. And, you know, if you get really stuck in a tight, well, we do have a clothes dryer. And I, and I use it on occasion when I need to, especially to fluff up, fluff up the towels that my guests will be using. Many of them do, do not like the air-dried effect. Even but, though I love it. Well, and, and I love it too, but not everybody does. But the other uh, 
backup plan is just wooden clothes racks that you can hang your clothes on if they didn't get completely dry outside or the rain and comes or something. And we have two fairly good-sized drying racks right. that we can deploy in the storage room close to the washing machine if we need to, or we can bring them here in the apartment where the wood stove keeps oh, them, helps them dry they out. They would dry in really no quickly. time in front of the wood stove, yeah. So anyway, there are all kinds of options that use less energy and in the when we're talking about hanging them, hanging them outside, it makes use of the sun, which is part of what our conversation's about today. What I think before we go, I'd like to talk about using lighting or being able to use the sun to provide lighting. And for us, it's just a matter of positioning the windows correctly and positioning our furniture with respect to the windows so that the places where we hang out have pretty good lighting naturally from through the windows. And also, we do a lot of our living outdoors. We have a screen porch, actually three of them, if you count the lodge. That's true. And so there's ample light coming there, and of course it's all natural, and you've got a great view. So, uh, you know, that's that's one way that I guess there's no limit on this discussion about living indoors. If you live outdoors, you got plenty of light, um, or if you spend a lot of time outdoors. So... That's one solution mm -hmm. for lighting is just to have screened-in areas for your and, entertaining. And then to figure out ways to use uh, small wattage lamps when you need to add some light. Right. Um, so, and, and we've, we've done that as well. Um, so next week, we will focus on what everybody thinks about when they think about going solar, which is photovoltaic cells right. or solar panels. Uh, and we'll also talk about a couple of other things. But we will give you a hint. When you talk about solar panels, it's all about figuring out how to, to squeeze every little benefit you can out of every watt you have. You can't take the way most Americans live and fuel it with solar panels and, and expect any level of satisfaction. I was going to say, you if you have enough money, you probably could. Sure. But, <laughs> but most but people... it just wouldn't make any economic sense exactly. for Exactly. It's, it's all about doing it economically as well as just being able to do it. So on that note, we will tell you how much we enjoyed being with you this week, and we hope you have a great week, and we will catch up with you later. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.